0: edition of Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show. I'm Anthony T. And in this edition, I will be talking about wrestlers walking out on a wrestling company. A wrestler wanting more money without giving anything. I will be giving my thoughts on WrestleMania backlash. Since it took place in the great state of Rhode Island. A.K.A. Providence, Rhode Island at the Dunkin' Donut Center. And in what's Anthony T watching, I will give you my thoughts on... Marvel! Latest film, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That's right, Marvel makes a borderline horror film. Meaning we get to cover Marvel here on the podcast! I'm so excited about that. Seriously, huge Marvel fan. As outside of horror, I love watching Marvel films. But before all that, the news. Starting off with news... And yes, I never wanted to talk about this guy ever again. I remember saying this two years ago at the Horror Whammies. I never want to talk about Glenn Danzig again. But he has forced me to talk about him. Because he's unveiled plans for some new films. Yes, yes. He wants to continue directing. First, he has plans for a werewolf biker movie, which he's currently writing. Okay, that's fine. If he wants to make a werewolf biker movie, there's not much I can say on it. He went on this podcast called Radioactive with Mike C to talk about his future plans. He also, in the interview, talked about he wanted to make sequels to his two films, Death Rider and Veronica. Now, first, let me talk Glenn Danzig off a ledge here on these ideas. Let's start with Death Rider. First of all, we have not seen Death Rider in home media yet. Whether it's physical release or video on demand, that film has not been released yet. Why are we talking about a sequel to that film? I just don't get it. Seriously, Glenn. You have to realize, in order for films to have a sequel, they have to be released to the general public. And I would like to see Death Rider in the House of Vampires before I make a judgment if we really need a sequel to this film. Right now, we don't need a sequel to this film because I haven't seen the film like many of you people listening. Because the film is not available on VOD or on DVD or Blu-ray. It's just... I don't get Glenn Dianzig wanting to make a sequel to a film that hasn't hit home media yet. He's getting way too ahead of himself. It's not like the film grossed millions and millions of dollars, because that film, I can guarantee you, never grossed millions and millions of dollars. So I don't know why he's talking about Death Rider's sequel when we even haven't gotten to home video yet with that film. Or VOD, for that matter. And then, the one thing that really draws my ear is that he wants to make a sequel to Veronica. Please, for the life of me, do not make this film. That was one of the worst horror films ever. I ever saw. And now he wants to make a sequel to Veronica. Who's going to watch the sequel to Veronica? Because I can tell you, whoever tuned in to watch this film out of curiosity will not be watching the sequel. That's for sure. And I might be forced to watch the sequel because, well, I have to review everything. Literally. And you are a topic on this podcast. So, you're kind of forcing me to watch this film if you ever get that chance to make that film. Please, do not make that film. Do not torture us by making more of your vanity projects. Because that's what Veronica was. A vanity project. Not a film. The film was made for one person and one person only. Glenn Danzig. And how can I trust Glenn Danzig to make an actual film when he just makes a film for only one person? Glenn Danzig. Will you just go back to making music, please? Get away from the filmmaking. Leave it to the professionals. Leave it to the up-and-coming filmmakers. Please do not make a sequel to Veronica or... Or think about making a sequel to Death Rider in the House of Vampires before us people who rent movies on VOD and buy the Blu-rays and DVDs had a chance to watch it. Because it's telling me that you're just making films for yourself and yourself only. And that's not good filmmaking, it's just selfishness in torturing us viewers. And more rock stars wanting to direct films. Now take this as a rumor, meaning it may happen, or it may not happen. As this news came out of BloodyDisgusting.com, Twisted Sister frontman D. Schneider went to Twitter recently Tweeted out the following. Want to talk about a major distraction? My next scary movie. Parentheses I wrote. And I'm directing. Is greenlit. And starts pre-production in four weeks. In between I've got three weeks. Pre-planned vacation. Two years ago before COVID. Cancelled twice. When I get home. I leave next day. Yes, yikes. That's right. He's doing another film. And here's the thing. He's already directed a film. You have to go all the way back to 1998. When he directed the cult classic Strangeland. Now, that film was okay. I've seen this. But literally, I was surprised when I heard this announcement. That D. Schneider is doing another horror film. It's been about over what? 24 years just about? Since Strangeland. And the surprising thing about this announcement. Is that it is not Strangeland 2. As he's been wanting to do that for like years. Make a sequel to Strangeland. But we are not seeing it now. Enough with strange land. Back to the upcoming film at hand. And he's hooked up with a very interesting producer. As Malik Akkad. You might know him. He's the guy who's produced the recent Halloween films. With Blumhouse. You know the David Gordon Green films. Now he's producing a film for D. Schneider. It's going to be one of those films that I'll probably definitely check out. Because I kind of liked Strangeland. I think some of the faults of that film was the editing. But I really think D. Schneider did a very good job for a first time filmmaker. It wasn't the greatest film in the world. I don't mind having D. Schneider take another crack at directing here. I do mind Glenn Danzig because... Glenn Danzig's Veronica is atrocious. Let's face it. I'm kind of interested in Dee Schneider's new film. Seriously. Now, there is no cast announced yet. But we all know the lead singer, Twisted Sister, will probably put out a film that will probably be creepy. And more in the vein of Strangeland. So, I have no problem with this at all. Unlike Glenn Danzig. And it'd be interesting to see how this film shapes up. If the rumors are true. Moving on. Dan Stevens and Adam Wingard are reteaming together. Yes! It's happening! The guest who is is happening! Oh, wait. Bleep. Yeah. That's what I thought when I read the headline. And I found out Godzilla vs. Kong 2 was the headline. As Dan Stevens is the first actor to be announced to be in Godzilla vs. Kong 2. Which will be directed by Adam Wingard. This is coming from Deadline.com. As they broke the news that Dan Stevens is set to lead the next installment of the WB's. MonsterVerse franchise Godzilla vs. Kong 2 Adam Wingard is returning to direct with productions slated to begin this summer in Australia why why I am all for a Dan Stevens Adam Wingard reunion for the guest 2 not Godzilla vs. Kong 2 I don't know why did they do this. Hollywood, come on. I really don't want to see another Godzilla vs. Kong film after the last one. In fact, I really don't want to see another Godzilla film, period. After the last two of them. But we are getting another Godzilla vs. Kong film. I don't like seeing Adam Wingard waste his career here. Because I think this is his follow-up film to Godzilla vs. Kong. Why is this his follow-up film? And not trying to do maybe The Guest 2, like he teased on April Fool's Day when he released the soundtrack to The Guest 2 as an April Fool's prank, which got people wanting The Guest 2... Sure, I want The Guest too, But I don't want Godzilla vs. Kong 2. I don't get what Adam Wingard is doing. He's making some really bad choices with his career here. I really hope this is the last Godzilla film he does, quite frankly. Because he can't continue to make these stupid MonsterVerse films. I have no confidence that Godzilla vs. Kong 2 will be good. In fact, the last two Godzilla films have been terrible. What makes you think Godzilla vs Kong 2 is going to be good? Not me, that's for sure. I just don't get it, Adam. Seriously, you're a great, talented director. Why are you wasting your talents on Godzilla versus Kong films? Please do another VHS film where you direct a segment or do another slasher like your next, but not another Godzilla film, please. And to also have Dan Stevens there, who's also a very good actor in this film, boggles my mind literally. You got the two people behind The Guest, which is a great film that people should check out, and quite possibly another crappy Godzilla versus Kong film. Come on, Adam. I love you as a director, but you can't be making Godzilla versus Kong for the rest of your career, please. You're way better than those films. You are. Why do you make the same stupid choices? Move away from the franchise. Do something different. Don't get pigeonholed into this Godzilla universe where for the next 5 to 10 years you're doing big Hollywood blockbusters with scripts that are god awful you're better than this Adam seriously that wraps up horror news I'll be back with wrestling news hi I'm Anthony T and I'm director Andrew Duran and we are the 2 from now, <laughs> and we're putting Rated R back into podcasting Every month we will be dropping an episode On the Doc Discussions Network We'll be chatting about Some of our favorite films News, reviews, and Maybe interviews You can find Two From Hell On Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify and other podcast Providers And don't forget to like Us on Facebook And Instagram At Two From Hell Podcast. Trust me, you're seriously not going to want to miss the show. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scares That Care, you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org. Every donation helps Scares That Care Fight real monsters. Welcome back. Let's talk a little wrestling news here. Let's start off with WWE and the fact that their women's tag team champions walked out on the company. Now, on the May 16th edition of Monday Night Raw, Sasha Banks and Naomi, who are the current women's tag team champions at this time of recording, walked out on the company. Now, this is what happened, as a lot of various r- sources have been reporting this. This started earlier in the day when WWE informed everyone that the main event of Raw would be a six pack women's challenge to determine the number one contender to Bianca Belair's Raw Women's Championship. The match was going to be Sasha Banks versus Naomi versus Dewdrop, versus Nikki Ash, versus Becky Lynch, versus Asuka. Well, that match did not happen at all. Because during the broadcast, Sasha Banks and Naomi pretty much handed their tag team championship belts to head of talent relations John Laurinaitis, walked out... Of Monday Night Raw. Now there's also been sources saying that the booking and creative direction for the next month were the reasons why they walked out. With Naomi scheduled to win the six pack challenge match and face Bianca Belair at Hell in a Cell and lose. Sasha Banks then would challenge Ronda Rousey at that same pay-per-view or premium live event. And lose. They didn't like it. That they didn't want to lose. And they thought it would diminish the women's tag team division. If they both lost. So they opted to take their ball and go home. Seriously. Don't get me wrong here. I agree with them. That is such a dumb idea. It's kind of stupid that you have tag team champions. And you're having them job out. To your top female wrestlers. I know the WWE does not give a damn about women's tag team wrestling. As they have barely a division. And I get that. I know that they're frustrated. But they're under contract. Meaning they have to fulfill the obligations. Even if they don't like what creative is. They still have to perform night in, night out. Don't get me wrong. I feel sorry that they have bad creative. That's been one of the major things that's wrong with this company. Bad creative. But you cannot walk out on a wrestling event. Seriously. Especially one where you're advertised to be a main event of a TV show or a premium live event. That is just wrong. Seriously, it screws the fans and puts you over the fans who pay their hard-earned money. I'm sorry. I cannot defend them walking out. You can't do that. If you sign a contract, you have to fulfill your contract. Even if creative is crap, you have to fill out your contract. By walking out, it's very unprofessional, and it screws the fans who paid to see you wrestle. I know it sucks that w w e has bad creative, but you cannot walk out on an event like that, especially one in which it's live television that makes it worse, not only are you screwing the paying customers, you're screwing the people who are watching the program, and that is just wrong. No ifs, ands, or buts. Just wrong. Moving on to people who do not think that contracts are a thing. According to Will Washington of Fightful's Graspity podcast, MJF. Feels like he's worth more money than what he's getting paid. And he wants more money for nothing. In return, according to a locker room source about Maxwell Jacob Freeman's contract, MJF wants to adjust the terms of his contract, mid-contract, without giving anything. That's right, he wants to have a raise... And not give anything in return. That's not how contracts work. If he did not like that contract that he signed before, he should have never signed the contract. Now, Tony Khan is willing to give him the raise. But there's a catch. He wants MJF there for a couple more years. Here's the thing. To get something, you have to give something. In this case, if MJF wants more money, he has to commit to more years. That's the only way he's going to get a raise. And quite frankly, it is ridiculous when people think that they're the big star and don't care about anybody else in that locker room. It's like, you signed that contract, you... For x dollars, you have to make that x dollars, unless you want to get a raise and give something to get that raise. I don't get MJF's greed here. He wants a raise without giving anything. That does not work in any business. Seriously. If he did that in WWE, he'd be laughed out of the room by Vince McMahon. This is not going to be like WCW where everybody runs the show and Tony Khan is right in not giving MJF that raise. Because if Tony Khan gives MJF the raise, then Jungle Boy's going to want a raise. Then Sammy Guevara's going to want a raise. Dobby Allen's going to want a raise. Everyone's going to want a raise and not give anything in return. This is not WCW, people, where the wrestlers ran the show practically out of business with their high bloated salaries. That's how WCW died. The wrestlers pretty much ran the show. Tony Khan is a businessman. He is not going to let them run the show. It ain't happening. There's a reason why... The Cons own the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's reasons why they own Fulham soccer team in England. They run it like a business. They don't let their employees or their stars run the finances by wanting raises and giving them it. So if MJF is not happy with his contract and doesn't want to give in, to more years he can wait to 2024 and test the free agent market until then please shut up seriously because if you give mjf the money without getting anything in return if you're tony khan that's a recipe for disaster just look at wcw and that's the news To Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast where the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film, but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. If you want more than a review, listen to Dark discussions and speaking of perception there's just one more scene i want to talk about which is after caleb discovers that kyoto is a robot kyoto kind of peels off her skin showing him what's underneath now wait a minute i know where you're going with this but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film exactly what he's thinking at that moment just he's a robot too. Oh, I considered the possibility. Right, and that's what I like is the fact that the writers are smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. www.darkdiscussions.com wherever podcasts are found. Welcome back. Now, yours truly usually doesn't review B-level WWE pay-per-views. Because, well, I'm not going to sit there and watch like 8 to 12 shows a year from WWE. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. I got enough topics to run on this podcast. I only do two episodes a month on this podcast. So, I only have enough time. Plus, I have AEW pay-per-views to talk about two on this podcast. Let's not forget those. So, yours truly decided to break form here. Because WrestleMania Backlash takes place in the great state of Rhode Island. And if it's taking place in the great state of Rhode Island, then it must be a major show. I don't care if it's a B-level WWE pay-per-view, or if people call it now premium live events. I don't understand why everything's now premium live events. I just want to go back to the pay-per-view days, quite frankly. But that's another story. So, I had not much hope for this pay-per-view or premium live event. So I'm going to continue to say pay-per-view because, well, I'm old school. Sorry. That's the way I feel. But anyway, let's talk about WWE WrestleMania Backlash from the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. Now, this is a show that I really did not have much hope hopes for literally because quite frankly i just did not care for this car because a lot of them are just rematches from wrestlemania in fact When I think of it, only like two matches from WrestleMania Backlash are new matches. The main event in Baron Corbin versus Mad Cat Morse. Everything else happened at WrestleMania. I hate it when that happens. I like a fresh card, not a rehash. And this pay-per-view only had six matches, too. That's... For a pay-per-view, very light on the matches. But then again, that's probably a good thing considering how WWE screws up everything. With having six matches, it gives them less matches to screw up. Meaning, if they screw up the majority of the matches, the pay-per-view pretty much sucks. Let's start off this card. And it started off very well, I have to admit. Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins in a rematch from WrestleMania. And this was a very good match. Again, I don't think these two cannot have a bad match together, as both Rollins and Cody Rhodes work very well together in the ring. It was no different here. I really loved the action, as there were a lot of really good, intense moments. In the match. There was some really good back and forth action. They always had good chemistry in the ring, which is always a positive considering that you need chemistry for matches to succeed. The last third of the match is also very good. The finish of the match is when Seth Rollins tries to roll up Cody Rhodes with an O'Connor roll in holding the tights. For a two count only to get rolled up with Cody holding the tights for a three count. Now here's the thing. This would be uh, of a night of questionable endings here. Because the ending to this match here really says that this feud is going to continue. I don't think this feud ends with Seth Rollins gang rolled up with Cody holding on to the a 3 count. I just don't see that feud ending. And you can say that with a lot of these matches. As a lot of these matches on this card felt like you could say the feud continues. And it's like, I like some resolution here. Seriously. But in any case this was a good match. Very good way to start off this premium live event. I'm gonna to try to say premium live event. Then we got to Omas versus Lashley. Yeah, that's how much I thought about this match. I thought this was very boring to watch. Why is Omas on pay per view or premium live event? Seriously, why? He's not getting any better in the rank. And it just shows as this match like went around ten minutes. It should have been shorter. Seriously, I can't stand seeing Omas in the ring. Lashley tries his best to get a good match out of Omas, but he doesn't, unfortunately. It's just that Omas is just kick punch, has no charisma whatsoever. He's very boring to watch and when you have talent like Damian Priest, Finn Balor, Ricochet, Austin Theory not on his pay-per-view and Omos is on this pay-per-view. In fact, Omos is not on a pay-per-view on a constant basis and I don't see what Vince McMahon sees in Omos because what I see is a generic wrestler who needs to go down to NXT. I just don't get it. They replaced Braun Strowman for this. And I keep saying this every time I talk about a WWE pay-per-view... In which Omos is a part of. He's just too generic of a wrestler. He's not over with the fans. MVP's not gonna save him. Sure, MVP's great on the mic. But... But he can only take him so far. Because, literally... If Omas can't get over with MVP, then there's no hope for this guy. Seriously. And he's still not getting over. He's still boring to watch. The match pretty much ends where when Omas runs Lashley into the post, referees distracted, MVP uses his cane to hit Lashley. Omas hits his finisher for the win. The feud continues. I feel sorry for Lashley to be be put in this feud. Seriously, Lashley is being wasted with OMAS. At this point, I don't think anybody can get OMAS over. He needs to go down to NXT to learn. It's like Vince McMahon rushed OMAS way too soon, and it's showing. The guy has no charisma. And the guy has just a basic move set, Like something from the 1980s. It may work in the 1980s, but it's not going to work in 2022. I'm sorry. Wrestling fans do not like wrestlers that have basic movesets and lack of charisma. Let's just move on. Because I could be here all day talking about this. Next we had Edge versus AJ Styles. Now, before I go into this match, it felt kind of weird that there were like two segments to this premium live event. You had the Raw segment, and then you had the SmackDown segment. The first three matches on the card were all Raw matches, which was kind of weird. But then again, they only had one table out at ringside because, well, they sold out the Dunkin' Donut Center in Providence, Rhode Island. So I can understand that logic to open up more seats, probably. AJ Styles versus Edge was another very good match from the two of them. And I really thought that was match of the night. I like how they really worked on the ring psychology with AJ Styles with his hurt arm. With the way that each of them were wrestling. There's a lot of good in-ring work here. I also like the character work of both people here in this match. As you have AJ Styles struggling to beat Edge with pretty much one arm. And you have Edge really becoming more demonic. And I also love the way he wrestled in this match as it was more a methodical pace. Now the end of this match happened when Damian Priest stood at the entranceway. Remember, he was banned from ringside. Shouldn't he also have been banned from even the entrance way? Technically, the entranceway should be ringside. But whatever. This is WWE. But Vin Balor came out and the two started brawling all over the place while AJ Styles was on the top rope when a mystery person comes out and pushes him off the rope. Then Edge gets AJ Styles in a submission hole, eventually hits the gallows for the win. Then the mystery person reveals herself to be none other than Rhea Ripley now this is actually a predictable move but it was a rumored move I was expecting Chopper at this spot but Rhea Ripley if she was also rumored to be in the group anyway that was kind of a Good move, actually adding her to the group gives the, the stable more credibility as a stable and not just like a two-man group. It's interesting where this goes next, as now you have more people in this AJ Styles versus Edge feud. You have Damian Priest, Rhea Ripley, Finn Balor, probably Liv Morgan too. You've got at least six people in this AJ Styles Edge feud now. And it's continuing. Like most of the feuds on this card, it was just to continue on to the next show. Which I thought was one of the show's problems. It just continues on to the next show. It's like, there's no conclusion. And it's like the third match out of three matches where you can say the feud is continuing. Well, at least they're doing long term booking. Now we move to the next match. Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's title. Now this was surprisingly a good match. As I was surprised I enjoyed this match. Considering I did not enjoy their WrestleMania match at all. Most of it had to do with the fact that this match went all over the place. There were brawling all over the place. Had a good kendo stick spot in it. You had people chanting for tables even though no tables was used in this match. In all of that craziness and brawling, there's actually some good wrestling and some good drama at the end of the match with everything. The match ends when pretty much Charlotte goes to taunt Ronda Rousey. This gives Ronda the opportunity to put one of Charlotte's arms through the chair and put in the armbar and eventually getting Charlotte to say I quit and become the new SmackDown Women's Champion. This was a good match and much better from their WrestleMania match and hopefully this concludes their feud. As That's probably the only match where I could probably say that feud has concluded. Next up, you had Madcap Moss versus Happy Corbin in a very boring match. Like almost in Lashy, I did not care for this match at all. Even worse, I did not care for either wrestler in this match. This match felt very basic. No charisma from either wrestler. It felt like the life was sucked out of the Dunkin' Donut Center watching this match. Very boring. Not into this at all. Match ends when Madcap Moss hits a sunset flip out of nowhere. I just want this feud to end, please. Knowing WWE, this feud's probably continuing. And finally, the main event. The bloodline of Roman Reigns and the Usos versus RK Bro and Drew McIntyre. This was a very good match to end the show. In fact, this would be a very good TV main event, and I'm putting it lightly as a television main event here because a pay-per-view or premium live event should have the world title or the universal title defended on. It is ridiculous that that title didn't get defended in Providence, Rhode Island. But with that said, this was a very good match. It was chaotic from start to finish. The match ended when Matt Riddle hit an RKO from the top rope. Then Roman Reigns got in the ring to spare him for the three count. This is a very good match. Now here's the problem I had with this match. There's no clear path to who's challenging Roman Reigns next. That's a problem. Seriously. This match should have ended with either Drew McIntyre or Randy Orton pinning one of the Usos... Then, either on the next SmackDown or the next Raw, challenge Roman Reigns for whatever title that show has. But no, Roman Reigns has to pin somebody, and now we don't know what the title picture looks like going into hell in itself. Seriously, this would have been a good spot to clear up the WWE Championship or the Universal championship title picture. But we didn't hear at WWE WrestleMania Backlash, as we still don't know who's challenging for the title next. And it is ridiculous, seriously, that there is no challenger coming out of WrestleMania Backlash. Now we're on to Hell in a Cell. I can tell you you we're probably going to get AJ Styles versus Edge inside Hell in a Cell. I don't know what we're going to do for the title picture for Hell in a Cell. As this pay-per-view should have made that title picture clearer. Instead, it's still the same. Overall, this was a good show. Don't get me wrong. I had a good time watching this show. But there were two major problems with the show. The fact that most of the matches ended with the feeling that the feud will continue. As you had at least three or four matches on this card. In which I had the feeling the feud will continue. There's like no final resolution. It's like we're building everything towards money in the bank now. Minus as well. Since we're almost there. And there's no clarity in any of the heavyweight title pitchers. It's like Roman Reigns is holding two belts. And there's no worthy challengers. This makes no sense. Wrestling has to have challengers for its world title. I don't know what WWE's doing. Maybe they set up a challenger for Roman Reigns either on Raw or SmackDown. Or do we do another six-man tag of Hell in the Cell? I don't know. Seriously. What the world title picture is after WrestleMania Backlash. And you don't want confusion with that... After leaving a pay-per-view. But you have feuds probably continuing. in a world title picture that's unclear. Overall this is probably a 3 out of 5 show. There were some very good matches. But the fact that literally most of the matches literally had the feel that the feud will continue. The WWE world title and the WWE Universal title pictures are so unclear. I'm probably right in giving this a 3 out of 5 show. This was a good show wrestling wise for the most part. But it's just the booking. It's just I don't get the booking in this promotion. Seriously. You have no challenges built for Roman Reigns. And coming out of this pay per view. There's literally at least 4 matches where the feud is going to continue. Because I have a feeling Cody versus Seth is going to continue. Definitely AJ versus Edge will continue. Omos versus Lashley will continue, and most likely Matt Moss versus Happy Corbin will continue. Four out of your six matches to me, it feels like a throwaway show, but at least it was a good show. But WWE really needs to paint a clearer picture for its world title scene because right now. There is no clear picture at all. You'll find Anthony T's Power and Wrestling Show on these social media platforms. On Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling. And on Twitter at Anthony T's Horror. You'll find new episodes on DocDiscussions.com, major podcast providers, and YouTube. Please note the following review may contain spoilers. What's Anthony T. watching this episode? Well, yours truly hadn't been in a movie theater for over two years. That's right. I've literally stayed away from the movie theaters due to the COVID pandemic and everything. So I was literally waiting for the right movie to hit theaters And the fact that there was a new cinema over in the Rhode Island area called Apple Cinemas in Warwick, Rhode Island, which opened a couple months earlier, that I wanted to check out, too. So, I was literally waiting for the right movie to go back into theaters at the Apple Cinemas in Warwick, Rhode Island. Now, before I go into this movie, the Apple Cinema in Warwick, Rhode Island is amazing. Literally, very state-of-the-art, nice reclining chairs, you have a nice cup holder, and tray too. This feels like the next evolution in the theatrical going experience, and I have to say, I love this theater a lot, even though the place is not fully done, they only have like six screens at the moment. But still, it was nice to go into this building for the first time. Love the nice electric boards on each side displaying posters from films instead of having the usual poster you would see going past the hallway. It's just so neat, so state-of-the-art. I love this place. I can't wait to go back to this place to see future movies, quite frankly. It's a great place. Now, enough with that. Theater, this is talk Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the first Marvel film to be reviewed on this podcast. Now, going into this film, I was... Very excited for this film because literally, I am a huge Marvel fan. Besides being a huge horror fan, I love watching Marvel films. I've watched every one, I've owned every film on Blu ray with the exception of Eternals, which is quite boring. So, I'm just waiting for the price to go down before I buy it. But, so when I heard Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Was coming out. I could not wait for this film literally, and I have to say, I enjoyed this film a ton. Now, before you go and see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, I would really highly recommend that you subscribe to Disney Plus and watch the excellent WandaVision series. Because that series leads right into this film without giving any spoilers away. Because quite frankly, you need to see this series in order to know what's going on and why this happened. I'm already getting too spoilery on this. But definitely check out WandaVision before you go see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse A madness because you definitely need to see that. It to me is required just to get the backstory of what's about to happen in this film. Because once this film starts going, because there's no slowing down in this film. So for any character development to why X characters acting that way, go back to the series and watch that. I'm giving way too much away. I apologize if I'm giving spoilers. But I have to admit, this was a very good Sam Raimi film. This was borderline R. I was surprised at the amount of blood that was used in this film. And a lot of really dark themes that could give this film an R rating. But. I have to admit, one of the things that Sam Raimi does very well here is he manages to make sure he gets very good lead performances. As I really liked the lead performances from Benedict Cumberbatch and Elizabeth Olsen in this film. As both of those actors did a very good job in this film. They really carried this film. I like the fact that you get to see the struggles that each of these two characters are going through, through different ways. Which I will not get to because, well, I'm just giving it away. I can't give this away. Seriously, I will not give it away. It's one of those films you have to see, but both of these characters are facing a certain dilemma. Another thing that I loved about the direction was the fact that Raimi does a really good job with the way he directs the action scenes in this film. The action scenes are just crazy in this film. Whether it's the scene with the Illuminati, whether it's the scene in the beginning of the film, or the scenes at the final act, everything had an intense and dark feel to it that really, you could say straddles the line of PG-13 and R. Because I never thought I would see a Marvel film straddle that line. But Sam Raimi does that very well. See, drag me to hell. If you want an example of how he straddles the PG-13 R rating. The film also has a very good screenplay from Michael Waldron, who also created the low-key TV series. He does a really good job really... Focusing on both Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange in this film, and the things that they can't, don't have, it really brought a dynamic to the characters, as it added depth to each of the characters. He also does a good job with the way he creates some of the scenes in this film, especially that big fight scene with the in the Illuminati headquarters. That. Was insane. Literally. That's a very creative scene. Which horror fans will definitely get a kick of. Seriously. You guys will get a kick of that Illuminati fight scene. But I'm going, again, into more spoilers. This film is just very good. I'm happy with this film. Literally. This was, I think... Better Doctor Strange film than the first one, in my opinion. Maybe because it appealed to me more as a horror fan, but this really did a very good job balancing this horror fantasy action aspects while also keeping true to the whole MCU universe that's going on for like 20 some odd films now, as it's been a while since the MCU has been around, literally. And it also has a great Bruce Campbell cameo and post credit scene. I know people are bitching about the post credit scene. I liked it, seriously. Just after this two hour film where it was very dark, very violent, I really kind of liked that the post credit end scene left you feeling good i'll just say it that way love bruce Campbell. i'm sorry he's just the best seriously but anyway definitely check out dr strange in the multiverse of madness but if you're gonna check this film out definitely subscribe to disney plus and watch wandavision first because if you don't watch wandavision you may be taken out of this film very quickly So, I really highly recommend you watch WandaVision before watching Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. As this was a very entertaining and action-packed film from start to finish. Don't forget you can check my new podcast out, Two From Hell. As the first episode of Two From Hell is out... As I join director Andrew Durant as we chat about our three favorite Rob Zombie films plus our time at Monster Expo. Our first episode is out already on major podcast providers and here on the Doc Discussions Network. We're already working on episode two where we talk about guilty pleasure films and the latest horror release Firestarter. That'll be next month's episode, so keep an eye out for that. You can find out more information on that podcast on social media at 2 From Hell Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Please subscribe and like that podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe and like Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling Show over on Facebook and and Instagram at Anthony T's Horror and Wrestling, on Twitter at Anthony T's Horror, and we're on major podcast providers and DocDiscussions.com and YouTube as well. If you liked what you listen to, don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast, leave comments. With that, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a good day. Support indie wrestling and support indie horror.